I would say it was pretty instantaneous. The first actual river trip that I took in Oregon on the Deschutes River uh, was just a, an amazing experience, and it just felt right. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 68, Bart Pinkham, Whitewater Kayaking. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. I wanted to make a couple of announcements today before we start the main part of the show. Remember that we now have categorized the podcasts on our website, www.adventuresportspodcast.com. If you go to the top of the podcast and click Adventure Sports Podcast Episode Categories, then you will find all the podcasts have been categorized by Adventure Sports, so you can enjoy listening to shows that are specific to your favorite sports And that way it's easier to find sports you might want to sample and see what those might be like. Of course, you can also click latest episodes and you can find the most recent episodes right at the top as well. While you're there, there's a click to call button on the left. If you click that button, it allows you to leave a message for us. That's a great way to give us feedback about the show. We would like to know of sports or sports enthusiasts that you would like interviewed on the show. So if you'd like to hear a podcast about some specific sport or more podcasts about specific sports, then please let us know. We will work those in for you. And also, if you have some criticisms of the show, we're all about that. Critique is good, and it it will make the show better. So we want this show to be what you want to hear. Press that click to call button. Leave us a message. You can also leave us a story of your own adventure sport there. And we are going to compile some of these stories and put them on a future podcast. So that might be fun, too, a chance to be on the show. You can also scroll down the screen, and on the left, there is an orange and gray Contact Us button. And that will allow you to email us directly. You can also subscribe to our show and give us your email address on the right-hand side. And so there are lots of ways to get in touch with us. We want to make sure that... We can keep you informed on some of the inner workings of the Adventure Sports Podcast and maybe help connect you with people that also are adventure sports enthusiasts. Another thing that you can do on our site, and we haven't mentioned this much before, if you've never been to our website, maybe you just download these podcasts on iTunes or listen via Stitcher or something like that. On our website, on the right-hand side, We have ads that click through to the websites for almost every guest that has been on the show. So if you want to know a way that you can get in touch with, say, John Fielder about photography, or maybe Steve Paragas about canoeing in Boundary Waters, maybe you would like to uh, check in with Alan Carl and his latest motorcycle adventures around the world. We have all of these people here. We have Camp Vela... Leon Logothetis with the Kindness Diaries. We have the Boulder Outdoor Center. We have uh, Underwater Fantasy, Scuba Diving, 
and the list goes on and on and on. So if you would like to contact some of the guests that have been on our show, that can be done through our site, and they would welcome hearing from you. And please, when you do, make sure that you mention that you heard about us on the Adventure Sports Podcast. We really appreciate that. Now, I've been giving a lot of thought to why do we promote adventure sports? There is a belief out there among some people that adventure sports might be a little trivial. Maybe they're a little self-serving or even hedonistic. Some people might think that these adventure sports, you know, it's just people that are goofing off. Don't you have something more important to do? And you know what? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But as I've been thinking more about adventure sports and what's, you know, the value that adventure sports have had in my own life, I came up with a few ideas that I thought I would just share with you. So if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I wanted to mention why we do promote adventure sports. Almost every guest that we have on mentions the sense of community that they've gained from their particular adventure sport. When people have a common interest and they're out to have a good time and they meet, it's just a beautiful setting for making new friends and uh, building that sense of community. Another great reason for participating in adventure sports is for health. Adventure sports are generally very active, and they provide great exercise, stress relief, they build dexterity, and often they just become the motivation to get out there and do things. So, you know, Maybe you love mountain climbing. Well, that means you're more likely to exercise during the week so you're stronger when you go mountain climbing on the weekends or something like that. But your adventure sport can become the motivator that can help you with your personal health. A lot of our guests also mention how they love connecting with nature. I mean, whether it's skydiving or kayaking or backpacking or motorcycle riding or through hiking, People generally say that connecting with nature really benefits them, and I have found that to be true as well. You go to nature, there's a different rhythm there. It's cleansing. It's wholesome. It somehow recenters and reconnects us to things that matter and things that are valuable. So if you feel like life has become a little bit too crazy, a little too hectic, get out there, enjoy some nature, and see what that does for you. What about personal growth? You know, there are all sorts of challenges in adventure sports. We are constantly trying to do something bigger or faster or better than we did before. Sometimes we're trying new things. It might be something as simple as rappelling down a cliff. These personal challenges stretch us, and we learn things about ourselves. And the things that we learn about ourselves can spill into the rest of life. When you're in an adventure sport, and let's say you're in a scenario where endurance really, really is being exercised, and you reach beyond what you knew that you could do and find out that you're capable of so much more, well, that sense of self and awareness about what you're capable of, that'll help get you through hard times in life in general and will make you a stronger person, more resilient and uh, more powerful in your own life. And don't forget the memories that are formed with adventure sports. Memories are worth so much more than junk, right? When you make a memory, it's a memory that you can enjoy for a lifetime. And what a beautiful thing to be able to sit around a campfire with friends and laugh and share memories of of crazy adventures gone by in the past. And it's just a beautiful thing. So I like to have a treasure chest full of those memories 
and my goal is to have as big of a chest as full as possible while I have that opportunity in this life. But I have found it's also fantastic for families with children because you're teaching children to connect with nature, to be athletic, to have dexterity, to have fun, and it gives parents and their children amazing opportunities to play together and once again make those memories together as a family. I'm convinced that families that do adventure sports together are healthier. A lot of us also find that we kind of get stuck in the daily grind. You know, you've got that job that you commute to five days a week, and there are the pressures of the career. Sometimes it's just the doldrums of sitting in front of a computer screen and and punching those buttons, pushing those electrons around on a circuit board in a you know an eight by eight foot cube, and that's not really living life. It might be critical. It might even be fun from time to time. And, you know, pursuing a career is an adventure of its own. But we need to reach beyond the job and the career and really live sometimes. And adventure sports give us the opportunity to do just that. So it gives us something to motivate us at work during the week, something to help us stretch our legs and clear the cobwebs out of our heads on the weekends. And it enlarges our lives so that we're living better. I also think that adventure sports provide an amazing perspective on life. Every adventure not only comes with a story, but I think it comes with a lesson learned. And if we take time to think it through a little bit, wow, we can learn so much, gain so much perspective. Maybe you're standing on a mountaintop and uh, having one of those epiphany moments when you just realize how big the world is, what the universe is all about. That perspective can really be healthy and powerful. So what do you think? Are adventure sports self-serving? Well, certainly they might be to some degree. I mean, we are out there to have some fun. But the reality is adventure sports are healthy. They're healthy for the individual. They're healthy for the community. They're healthy for your physical body. They're healthy for your spirit. They're healthy for families. They're healthy for society as a whole. So I want to encourage people, get out there, try new things, stretch yourself a little bit, enlarge your life, and see what adventure sports can do for you. Now, will you help us to help bring the stories and adventures from all of these wonderful guests to more people? Please tell your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast. There's no better way for us to get the word out than for you to share the Adventure Sports Podcast with your friends. And we thank you in advance for doing that, and we look forward to meeting them too. Well, thank you for indulging me so that I could visit a little bit about the value of adventure sports. But now, on with the rest of the show. Today's show is on whitewater kayaking with Bart Pinkham. Bart grew up in Connecticut, but he spent a lot of time paddling canoes and kayaks in Maine and up in Canada. And then he went to college in Washington State where he took up whitewater kayaking back in 1991. So Bart has a lot of experience in the sport and loves it so much. He moved to Colorado, and he started Golden River Sports. Golden River Sports is a full-service kayak and fly shop, and Bart is here to tell us all about whitewater kayaking. Bart, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. So, Bart, tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your passion for kayaking. Uh, Sure, yeah. Kayaking uh, is something I took up, or whitewater kayaking is I took up in uh, college, and... uh, I never looked back. It was so exciting and just a way to get out in the outdoors and have some great freedom. And it was a very interesting learning experience. You know, kayaking has taken me 
some great, beautiful places in the world. What is whitewater kayaking like for people that have never done it? Um, just strap yourself in a boat and, and worry about flipping upside down, banging your head on a rock, sh- shooting over rapids, waterfalls, whatever it is. Describe it for us. It is an adrenaline rush. Absolutely. Uh, kayaking is an adventure sport. You know, really having the proper skills and the confidence in your ability level uh, makes that all that fear manageable. Um, you definitely don't want to be fearless because uh, fear will help you out. <laughs> but um, it's just an exhilarating sport. And uh, being so close to the, you know, in the water at water level, uh, you've really experienced all of the uh, things that the river has to offer. Probably a lot more of our listeners have gone whitewater rafting on some summer trip than have tried kayaking. How would you compare the two? You are having a, a similar experience going through a lot of the same stuff that people do kayak. Um, obviously, the raft is a little bit uh, elevated out of the water. You definitely can go through the waves and splash, and, and rafts do even tip over, so just like kayaks. But, um, you know, it's a very similar experience, especially if you're in a, in a paddle raft. I know that some listeners out there are going to say, well, kayaks go upside down, then what? So what do you do if you flip in your boat? Sure, it's it's actually, it's called an Eskimo roll, and uh, it is a maneuver that you do involving your your boat, and your it's actually from your hips. It's called a hip snap, and snapping your hips and using your paddle uh, will right the back, uh, and you come back upright. So, What happens if you lose your paddle? Um, it is also possible to use your hands and, and achieve the same thing. Um, and actually, you're using the water currents to your advantage as you're as you're upside down. You can feel the current, and you're going to kind of go with the current, and it will actually help turn the boat right side up. That sounds kind of complicated. Is it is it hard to learn? It's not terribly hard to learn, but it it is a skill that you do need to take lessons and and learn uh, properly the first time. You'll have a much more pleasant experience overall. So if you can't get your roll. And you're still upside down. I mean, you can only hold your breath for so long. What are the other options? At that point, your options are um, pulling the spray skirt and swimming out of the boat. So you don't have to just hang upside down in desperation. (laughs) No, no. It's possible if you're in a group and you have lost your paddle that one of your members of your group can bring his kayak alongside so that you can grab onto the nose and do what's called a T-rescue and actually flip yourself up using their boat. So that's that sometimes works uh, on a river. But otherwise you're taking a swim. Otherwise you're taking a swim, and it happens to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like a really challenging and, I don't know, you said it was an adrenaline sport. It sounds kind of scary, especially, I think, for people that may not be as comfortable in water as others. But why would you encourage people to, to try whitewater kayaking? I think just for the... For the sheer connection to the outdoors, um, it isn't obviously for everyone. And and kayaking itself has so many different disciplines that you're able to um, really, any ability level or any, um, you know, desired ability level can be reached in kayaking and you can enjoy the sport at many different levels. Whitewater kayaking is just a small part of that. So what are some of the other types of kayaking then? I mean, you have all different class of rapids. So uh, we, 
you know, we do a lot of multi-day trips where uh, maybe we're only going on class one or two rapids, but uh, we're doing overnight camping and, uh, you know, just getting out into some of the beautiful canyons of, of Colorado and Utah. Let's talk car racks, specifically Yakima and Thule. Chances are, if you're listening to our show, you either have one, want one, or you're going to need a car rack soon. Car racks, whether on the roof or on the back, need a good set of locks to keep your gear locked down to the rack and to your car. Good news. Our new sponsor, Z-Lock, has new lock sets for all Thule and Yakima racks at about one-third less than anywhere else. These lock cores are sourced from the original manufacturer and include bonus keys. Need replacement keys or cores matched to your current lock code? Z-Lock has replacement options even if you've lost all of your keys and don't know your key number. Check this out. Z-Lock is offering Adventure Sports Podcast listeners an additional 20% off their already low prices plus free shipping. Just enter the code ADVENTURE at checkout and you'll save up to 50% off a of retail. Go to zlock.com forward slash adventure. That's Z-E-L-O-C-K dot com forward slash adventure and save. Come celebrate with us August 10th through 16th as more than 100 youth from over 12 countries from around the globe travel to the Vale Valley for the 14th annual World Youth Fly Fishing Championships. We are proud to host this Olympic-style event and to showcase the Colorado free-flowing rivers and scenic beauty for all the global competitors. You can help by volunteering to be a part of the event. For more information, go to www.wyffc2015.com or just search for World Youth Fly Fishing Championship 2015. We hope to see you there. Very cool. Well, will you take our listeners through what the whitewater class system means? So we have class one through six, right? Correct. Basically, uh, you have flat water, and then class one, you start to get a little bit of riffles. And from there, they develop up into uh, actual rapids. And the difficulty also is determined by the gradient and other factors involved, as in if it's if there are uh, waterfalls or small drops involved or if it's a steep creek coming out of the mountains. Um, then you have your more class four or five uh, rapids. So I've heard, correct me if I'm off here, but I've heard that class three could swamp an open canoe because the rapids are big enough. Class, correct. Okay, and then in class four... Um, you have even bigger rapids, and what they say is that it might be hard for you to rescue yourself if you come out of your boat. You probably can, but it might be hard. Correct, because it's more continuous a lot of times, so the, the rapid keeps going, and, and you have to be prepared to make it through the whole thing. Gotcha. And then Class 5, the rapids are so bad you probably won't save yourself without help. That can absolutely be correct, yeah. Wow. Uh, there are certain situations in, in which you may be in a in a position to save yourself, but it requires quite a lot of skill and uh, and staying calm during a, a stressful situation. 
Well, your uh, multi-day river trips on class one and two sound kind of nice, too. It takes the adrenaline out of it, but you get to connect with nature then. Absolutely, you bet. Tell us a story of an amazing experience that you had kayaking that helped to get you hooked on the sport. Um, Well, let's see. I've had a lot of amazing experiences. I think one of the most memorable ones was uh, being able to kayak some of the rapids on the Zambezi River in Africa. Uh, I was down there on a, on a raft, a whitewater raft trip, and uh, I happened to know one of the safety kayakers that was paddling along with the raft company, and so he traded uh, traded me out for part of the river. Nice. And I would kayak uh, in some really amazing uh, whitewater. So Zambezi River, where is this? What part of Africa? Right near Botswana and Zimbabwe. So how long were you on the river there? Uh, it was just a day trip that particular time, um, but we also did a, a week-long uh, canoe safari on the upper part of the river on, in flat water. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, it was amazing. So at what point did you know that you wanted to spend your life continuing with the sport? I would say it was pretty instantaneous. The first actual river trip that I took in Oregon uh, through our school on the Deschutes River uh, it was just a, an amazing experience, and and it, it just felt right. I've always had love for the water, I think, and, and um, it was just another chapter opening up for me. Um, I understand that kayaking has uh, different competitions, too. I've seen some videos of guys that are, like, surfing standing waves in rivers and doing tricks and stuff, and... What are those sorts of things like? Those competitions are referred to as uh, as whitewater rodeos. And uh, similar to a bucking bronco, you're going to put yourself into a wave or a hole and uh, try and stay in there for the longest period of time doing a number of tricks, whether it be surfing or spinning or doing cartwheels and actual vertical loops out of the water, uh, which is where some of the playboating moves have uh, have evolved to. Well, speaking of playboating, you started kayaking over 20 years ago, and I know that the boats have gone through a lot of changes since then. What what were your first boats like, and what do you paddle today? Sure. Um, the boats that I started out in were about 13 and a half feet long, and those were the top-of-the-line kayaks at some of that point in the uh, after fiberglass boats in the 70s, they started making plastic boats, which lasted a lot longer. And then they've, they've consistently gotten shorter over the years to the point where some of the uh, play boats now that you see in these competitions are shorter than the paddlers that paddle them. So you're talking about like five to six feet long? Five and a half to six feet long, exactly. Wow. So from a 13-foot closed-in canoe, now we're talking about something that, man, how's it even long enough to keep you floating? Um, they're very buoyant. They have a lot of uh, volume built in around the paddler, and uh, it makes it quite buoyant. But uh, they're still small and thin on the edges so that they can uh, surf and do tricks. Well, yeah, what are the advantages then of having the short boat? I mean, it seems like that's become the favorite, but what does that do for you that the longer boat couldn't do? Um, primarily, it, it does those specific tricks, uh, playboating moves as they call them whether it be surfing or uh, spinning in 360s or vertical cartwheels, the longer boats really aren't able to do that uh, unless you were in a huge uh, feature. 
Okay, so they're more agile. What about in big water if you're going to do a, you know, a big class four plus river? Would you rather be in a bigger boat or do you still like the short ones? Uh, I generally tend to be in a, in a bigger boat for something like that. Just more comfortable overall. Um, but I, I have taken my playboat down uh, a lot of class four rivers and had a lot of fun uh, surfing and playing on the waves along the way. Very fun. Well, Bart, tell us a little bit about the white water in Colorado. I think a lot of people know that Colorado has a lot of white water, but what have you found the sport to be like here? Well, there's an interesting evolution that these whitewater play parks have been uh, growing in number, and Colorado has, I think, some of the highest number of whitewater parks uh, in this, you know, for the state uh, as compared to other states. But a lot of these towns that have rivers or creeks flowing into them can now build features in the river, and you know, it attracts paddlers. Uh, to the town, and it's a kind of a great, safe learning environment at the right water levels. Um, and the trend is to really has been to focus on outdoor recreation and and what kind of that brings to uh, a town like Golden's economy. So I know that there are various play parks in in the Front Range. Almost every river has one in in some town, some park somewhere. But let's yeah. see, there's a uh, there's a small one in Boulder. There's the good-sized one there in Golden. There's Confluence Park that some people like to do downtown. Um, yep. what, what am I missing here? Um, and then you have parks up in uh, Glenwood Springs. There's a big wave uh, park up there that they've designed. Uh, they've just opened a brand-new one on the pump house section of the Upper Colorado River uh, out by Kremlin. And uh, places like Gunnison and... Uh, you know, and then down south in Salida, Buena Vista, the Arkansas River Valley, uh, there's tons of these uh, parks and waves popping up. Well, what about just wild rivers away from the parks? What kind of boating is there in sure. Colorado on those? There's a lot of that. Um, both here in the Front Range and elsewhere, you have, for instance, on the North Fork of the South Platte, one of my all-time favorite uh, creeks is Bailey Canyon. And that's a 12-mile section of wilderness kayaking. Um, there's no roads in and out of there other than where we put in and take out. Nice. What's the water like? Is it class 3, 4? What are we talking? Uh, that particular one is class 4, 5. 4, 5. Is it fairly big or what size of a creek? Um, it's a narrow creek. It's um, you know it's about as narrow as Clear Creek in a lot of spots. And there's, there's about three big... Uh, class five rapids throughout the whole run, uh, one of which has a uh, several uh, drops that are ten or more feet. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah, it's a great. So they're bigger rivers too. There's a lot of creek boating. It sounds like, but you mentioned the Colorado earlier. I mean, Colorado gets pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Arkansas River, uh, the Colorado River, the uh, frying pan, and stuff up towards uh, Glenwood and Aspen. There's a lot of great rivers. Uh, that you can paddle, uh, and many different sections as well. All right, so if someone is from out of state, and let's say they're in a state that doesn't have white water, and they want to come and try this, there are various states where they could go, but I guess the question is, what would you recommend for them to do if they wanted to try out white water? Definitely, I think lessons are the best way to get involved with whitewater kayaking, uh, certainly because you're learning it from scratch and, and learning it the right way the first time. 
it leads to a much more enjoyable uh, experience. Well, hey, will you share a story with us about a time that things didn't go right? You know, everyone that kayaks seems to have that epic story. <laughs> Probably most recently was um, I took a very long mile-and-a-half swim on the upper sections of the Poudre River. Uh, it's a run called, um, well, the, the rapid is called the White Mile, uh, and the run is the upper rustic section of the Poudre. And uh, we were doing it at about six and a half feet, which is flood level. And uh, I was with several of my friends and kind of keeping an eye on them a little bit. And I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been to uh, where I was going. And then I ended up dropping into a pretty large uh, recirculating hole, which uh, then spat me out upside down into a underwater boulder field. Oh, no. And I took a three or four solid hits to my chest and head, and at that point uh, didn't really have any breath to uh, to continue operating, and my paddle had been ripped out of my hand. So I ended up swimming, and uh, it was a long swim. So this is four plus, five? What are we talking here? Um, Probably solid four plus because of the levels. And so you said you swam for like a mile and a half. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, <laughs> That's a yeah, long way. A- it was a long way. I couldn't really find a good place to get out, and every time I got close to the shore, I ended up getting pushed into a bunch of rocks and trees and bushes that were um, all along the shore because the water was so high, it had kind of migrated into places where it wasn't normally water. Well, clearly you had on some sort of a, a life vest and probably some sort of a wetsuit and other protective gear, but still, that's a long time in that kind of water. Was that just exhausting? It was very exhausting. I did have a full dry suit on, so I was uh, very well protected from the elements and wearing a full-face helmet as well. Uh, But it was just a long, exhausting swim. So just to give people a feel for what this kind of water can do, if you didn't have on your buoyancy vest, what do you think you would have been up against? Uh, I probably would have been... I probably would have drowned. Wow. Without the buoyancy of your PFD, you know, the water currents can suck you underneath and push you against rocks and trees and all sorts of obstacles. What advice would you have for our listeners if if they ever find themselves in that situation? What do they do? Uh, There are definitely things you can do. Um, You know, you want to be on your back, sort of backstroking to shore, um, and you don't want to try to stand up in the river or anything like that because you will get your you have the chance to get a foot entrapment at that point. Ooh. So you're really just trying to stay up on the current and, and working your way toward shore. Crazy. Well, what kind of tips or tricks do you have for us about kayaking, things that people may not know about kayaking that would help them in the sport? Sure. I, I think one of the biggest things is to be uh, relaxed because as your body tenses up, if you're nervous, you're going to be a lot more jerky in your movements. And uh, being relaxed and, and smooth in, in your paddle strokes and your movements really leads to staying upright, mostly. So you just got to stay loose, huh? Yep.
This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. Hello, race fans. Eric Risen here from Yolo Racing. We are a group of firefighters and friends who compete in the Baja 1000, the toughest off-road race in the world. Every year we do race, we go down and through our charities, Firefighters Without Borders and Vancouver Firefighters Charitable Society, we make donations to needy communities down the Baja through firefighting equipment such as Jaws of Life. Last year we attempted to donate a completely outfitted pumper truck to a very needy town in La Mission. The truck has made it all the way down to San Diego and is waiting at the border. We are in desperate need of some more sponsorship money to get this vehicle across the border for brokerage fees. We do not have the funds to uh, finalize the transition into there. And the community that is expecting the fire truck is technically unprotected from any catastrophic event such as a wildfire. And we, we, I can't tell you enough how urgent it is to get this vehicle across. We are doing fundraising up here uh, through our Facebook page, through our website. We will be doing a couple other events, but however long it takes us means that's going to be a delay in getting that vehicle across. So if we can raise that money instantly, that vehicle will be donated instantly. So if you can, please help us look for the donation page on our website or our Facebook page, and that's YOLORacing.com or YOLO Racing Facebook page. Thank you very much for all your consideration and support. We appreciate it. Any special gear that you think people should make sure that they have before they get in a kayak? Uh, sure. One of the most important things that I think gets overlooked a lot is uh, good footwear, uh, especially if you're learning and you you know, you know are in positions where you're swimming. Uh, it just helps get a grip on the rocks and um, keeps your feet protected, uh, especially if you have to, to get out and uh, hike in along the side of the river or chase your buddy downstream. So you say footwear, are we talking about some sort of a sandal or a wet sock or a rock sock or what are we what are we talking there? Uh neoprene booties with a good a good rubber sole on them. They make both low top and high top versions. Yeah, especially I mean in some of the smaller boats, uh, I've tried to fit in uh, I can't wear a shoe and so I just go in there with bare feet obviously and uh if you do bump the front of the boat it really hurts. <laughs> Ouch. So if people want to get into the sport and try it out, you know, there's a lot of equipment involved. You've got some sort of a, probably a paddle skirt and a paddle jacket, maybe a wetsuit or a dry suit. You've got your paddle, the the footwear you're talking about, um, the kayak, the helmet. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. What would you recommend for people? I mean, it could be very expensive to get going in this. Sure. Uh, generally, any place that you're going to be taking lessons or learning kayaking, all that gear is provided. Um, so it gives you a chance to really check it all out uh, without investing a ton of money. 
Um, and then a lot of people buy a used kayak for their first boat because it's an inexpensive way to get it, get into the sport without uh, spending as much money. Um, and a lot of places have, you know, a used boat sale at the end of the season uh, where people can pick up pick up gear uh, for a little bit less expensive. What are the new boat prices? Just a rough range. Right now, new boat prices are a thousand to twelve hundred dollars. Okay, and this is one of those sports where you can spend the money once and then paddle for free. So I guess if you look at it, that's not a huge cost for getting into the sport. No, I mean I think honestly, for about two thousand dollars, you could get everything new. So what if someone went used? Uh, used, you tend to be able to get a, a good boat for more in the four to six hundred dollar range. So maybe um, you know eleven hundred or twelve hundred with all the gear. And since it is a sport that you don't have to keep paying, you know, to do, I always think about downhill skiing as an example. I mean, a good ski setup is not cheap these days. And then the lift tickets are amazingly pricey. And uh, Correct. You know, kayaking, you don't have to buy a lift ticket to jump in a river. So there's a certainly an advantage there. There is. I mean, we have a lot of great uh, organizations like American Whitewater uh, who have been tirelessly putting – uh, effort into creating places where people can kayak and not have to pay uh, pay for that or not be able to access that at all. Uh, there are certain uh, stretches of rivers that are permitted, and you go through a process and pay a permit to go on that river, um, like the Grand Canyon and some of the uh, other big western rivers. Well, tell us a little bit more about Golden River Sports, Bart. I'm, this is your shop in Golden, and I've been in there. I know you sell a, a plethora of different types of kayaks, and you also have a full-service fly shop there. So what's that all about? We've been here uh, now 11 or so years, and uh, from the beginning had a concept of creating uh, a fly fishing and kayaking shop. Um, and it's worked really well for us. We, we now have uh, full-service shops on both ends. Uh, we do guided fly fishing trips out of our store. And we have a, a full selection of, of rentals and demo gear for people to try out. So you have rental gear there, too. So if they wanted to try kayaking somewhere really, really tame, you can take care of them? Yeah, we do have um, some flatwater recreational kayaks, which are a great way to check the sport out. There are also inflatable kayaks that you can uh, take down some of the more mellow rapids, and they're a fun way to experience uh, kayaking without being uh, strapped into the boat. Well, you know, the Golden Play Park right there on Clear Creek is not far from your shop, so that's actually pretty convenient. It is very convenient, and we're actually down there uh, every week during the summer doing a demo night as well for people to try out boats that they might consider buying. Oh, really? So if people wanted to do a demo, when and where? How does that work? Um, so we're, we're actually coming to towards the end of that program just because the water is starting to get uh, a little on the low side. Uh, but we have boats that people can demo uh, and equipment, paddles, and other equipment as well um, uh, through the store. Okay. And so your website is www.goldenriversports.net, and I guess people can get more information there? Correct. Yeah, there's a bunch of different subcategories they can uh, look into, both fishing and paddling. Well, tell us a little bit more about the fly fishing side of the house. I know we've been talking about kayaking, but you've got a great fly shop there. Yeah. 
fly fishing is a great year-round activity, and we're lucky to have uh, Clear Creek running right through town here, as well as up through Clear Creek Canyon. Uh, and it's actually a great little fishery with uh, brown trout and rainbow trout. Just out of curiosity, do you know people that fly fish from a whitewater kayak? Do people do that? Um, it does happen on some of the multi-day trips, especially. You can uh, you can fish out of your kayak. Now that sounds like that could be a, a neat combination of the two sports then. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, kayak does provide you with a way to get to places uh, you wouldn't normally be able to get to on foot. Right on. Well, hey, does Golden River Sports offer any special promotions for our listeners? We're always hitting people up to try to get our listeners a deal. So, uh, Absolutely, yeah. Between uh, now and the end of the year, we will offer uh, 10% off on uh, any uh, full retail item. Very cool. So 10% off, they just have to mention the Adventure Sports Podcast, and that goes to the end of 2015. Correct. Right on. Well, thank you for that. That's cool. We have a few exceptions to that, but uh, they can call if they have any questions. Right on. Well, how does the sport of kayaking benefit people or society as a whole? Well, sure. A couple of uh, ways that I can think of specifically. I think, uh, for one, getting kids involved in kayaking uh, or any other outdoor activity for that matter uh, is really beneficial, I think, to uh, their development. And uh, it's obviously uh, what we need to continue to uh, promote and and work with. Lots of great uh, instructional programs to bring young people to the sport. What about on the fly fishing side? Sure, fly fishing also. One thing that um, we've been working a lot with, there are some great organizations uh, working with our returning veterans and um, doing a lot of therapy work through fly fishing. It's, it's a very... Um, relaxing and, uh, you know, introspective sport to the point where you can really get out and, and uh, just immerse yourself in nature and, and uh, forget about all the stress of life. Uh, sounds good. Very cool. Well, Bart, we always ask for our guests to end the show with a funny story. Do you have a funny story for us? Let's see. Funny story. I can think of a couple probably. Um, you know, really some of the the funnier times I've had with our friends is on these multi-day trips. We uh, end up doing a lot of uh, costume parties with <laughs> different themes. So there's uh, we did uh, both superheroes and uh, then prom night was another great one. <laughs> prom night in a kayak? Yeah, so we dressed up uh, on shore, you know, at our campsite uh, in our in our finest prom wear. <laughs> So a multi-day trip, um, you're, you're sparking my attention a little bit. How many days do you guys usually go? Sure, we go from anywhere from uh, just an overnight trip to uh, we're actually planning a three-week trip on the Grand Canyon next March. Three weeks. Yep. So you just get to live on the water for three weeks, boating and enjoying the scenery. And that sounds yeah, nice. hiking in the Grand Canyon and, and just enjoying uh, a beautiful place in the world. Wow. That sounds really, really appealing. So any parting words for our listeners? I would just say hopefully uh, we've, you know, in, inspired some interest in kayaking or even fly fishing and just getting outdoors and uh, connecting with nature. Well, one more time, if people want more information about either sport, then how can they get in touch with you? Sure, they can call us at the store at 303-215-9386 
or email us through our website, goldenriversports.net. Goldenriversports.net. So we will put that information in the show notes. And again, thank you very much for the 10% discount and for giving us a little bit of an insight into what it's like to try whitewater kayaking. Absolutely. Well, and for all of our friends out there listening, thank you very much for your time today. And until next time, get out there and have some fun. Sounds great. Would you like to be a guest on a future show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the Contact Us button. 